Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Lights Out F1 podcast. I am Matt Sammons. I'm joined this week by Callum McAvoy and Callum McAvoy only, uh, where we're going to be talking about the Azerbaijan Grand Prix that has just happened. Bit of a strange doubleheader, this one, Azerbaijan, and then straight over to Canada. Uh, we're going to be looking ahead to calendar, uh, Canada, not calendar. Um, we're going to be looking ahead to Canada, uh, and we are going to be talking about the calendar. That's probably why I said that, uh, because we have got a little bit of calendar news uh, which came out this week. Um, very rare that we get, you know, a big piece of news between, um, you know, double headers. But we have got some this week to talk about. Um, so obviously, with good news comes bad news as well. But we'll get into that a little bit later on. But first of all, Callum uh, McAvoy uh, is with me, as I've just mentioned. First of all, Callum, we obviously had Azerbaijan this weekend. Uh, it was also Le Mans as well. Which one uh, took your fancy at the weekend? I'll take a guess, Matt. I'll take a guess of what I chose to watch on F- Sunday. F1? Yes, yeah, because I'm, I'm paid to do so now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is very true. And I suppose the um, the, the site you write for, the, the newspaper you write for, don't cover them on either. Uh, not yet. No, maybe one day I'll persuade them to. Though you never know. You know, if they try do a good enough job, you never know. I mean, I made the horrendous mistake of going out on uh, on Friday night, which meant I was very tired um, and unable to pretty much watch any of the night action in, in Le, of Le Mans. And then I was at work on Sunday, so pretty much missed the end. So I probably saw about one of the <laughs> 24 hours. Um, but never mind, there's always next year and uh, the virtual ones, which seem to be happening as well, which can sometimes be a, um, a little bit interesting. But enough of that. Let's talk uh, about the Azerbaijan Grand Prix that we've just seen. Um, qualifying, not the most dramatic qualifying session we've probably ever seen. Charles Leclerc took pole. Uh, you predicted that and were spot on. Yeah, I mean, I, Ferrari have the quickest car on the grid. I think that's kind of been established now. Uh, at least over one lap in the race, I think <laughs> Red Bull probably have the edge, as we'll get to a bit later on. But uh, yeah, surprising. Uh, I didn't actually watch Quali. I can't remember what I was doing on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Watching Le Mans? Actually. No, I wasn't. What was I doing Saturday <laughs> afternoon? I didn't, didn't watch. Might have been out somewhere, I think. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Massively exciting, uh, qualifying, no real big incidents, but there was one red flag in Q1, uh, from what I recall, but, uh, yeah, no, which is surprising. I, I guess after was it last year, we had like constant red flags, didn't we? So all the drivers are a bit more cautious this year, it would seem. I mean, usually in Baku, it's one red flag brings another and then brings another all the same kind of with the safety car. Mm. But we didn't see that. Uh, We definitely saw it in F2. I don't know if you watched any of that, but we definitely uh, didn't really see it that much in F1. Um, Myself and Joshua both uh, predicted Verstappen. So my run continues of getting zero pole positions correct this year. Uh, And then Callum (laughs) Owen also got Leclerc. So uh, a point for him. Uh, Let's talk about the race where it finished Max Verstappen uh, winning it. Sergio Perez in second. George Russell third. Um, before we talk about kind of anything that we predicted, you must have been loving it after turn one uh, and that start from Sergio Perez. Yes, it was uh, very exciting. Uh, for a moment, you saw it was just sort of big puff of smoke as uh, Leclerc locked up. And you put, oh no, don't, don't go into the wall. He just about made it. But uh, yeah, you know, obviously predicted Sergio to win the race. And I was like, oh, hello there. This is, this is looking tasty. And then it all fell apart pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much after the first lap. So, uh, yeah, yeah, got him. But again, Sergio showing his pace uh, in quality. So, yeah, all good. And they weren't allowed to fight the Red Bulls. Uh, I think it was, was it lap 10, 15, something like that, that, that Max overtook him. And 
kind of Sergio Perez didn't really even bother defending it. What did you make of that? Because I think it was more team orders by the looks of it, was it? Yeah, it seems to be that way. So I was maybe you probably I think you watched the highlights more recently than I did. Did Max overtake Sergio? before Leclerc broke down or was it after? Yes, yeah, yeah, it was before. It was before, oh, okay. Because I was going to say, if it was afterwards, then I found, would have found that call very strange. But I can understand it beforehand because it's like, oh, you know, we, they're still racing another car. You know, they want to make sure that at least one of them gets it. Max was clearly the quicker driver on Sunday. So I don't mind that strategy call being made then. It is annoying though, isn't it? Because you think, oh, if he had... If it happened afterwards, then I, I think they would have said, okay, you can fight, just uh, hit each other, basically. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just unfortunate. But, yeah, Sergio didn't seem too unhappy after the race. He understood the decision that was taken. So uh, not like in Spain, where it was just straight-up team orders. So. Mm. I think letting the race and, and saying don't hit each other is probably never guaranteed when uh, Max Verstappen is in, in one of the cars. I mean, I don't want to be critical of him, uh, but, you, you know, we obviously all saw what happened last year and, and probably in years previously as well. There's, there's kind of various incidents uh, that we could point to um, as well. We didn't get an iconic Max Verstappen moment this year uh, after he crashed last year and obviously kicked the tyre, which kind of became a, a massive meme. Um, it was a, a fairly straightforward win, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, it was as soon as both Ferraris conked out, the race was over um, in, in terms of, well, not in terms of everywhere, because there was a couple of battles uh, in the midfield. But uh, yeah, in terms of the leader race, as soon as Sainz went, it was like, OK, it's a three-way fight. And then as soon as Leclerc went, it was a two-way fight. And then uh, a second later, Leclerc was like five seconds clear of Sergio. So you went like, oh, no, it's over. So yeah, a bit annoying. Not the, the 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 firecracker that I think a lot of people expected Baku to be, uh, which I feel is becoming a bit of a trend now. We keep hyping up certain tracks to be really good, and they're not. And then the ones we're not hyping up are actually doing really well. Like Monaco and Spain have been probably the two best races this season, and uh, they're the circuits that most people would say need to go off the calendar. Uh, well, certainly Josh would, but you know, <laughs> not here to defend that. So. I know we're going to talk about Canada a little bit later on, but when we do, should we really downplay it? You know, say it's it's going to be absolutely awful and then hopefully we will get like the hands down best race of the season to talk about, uh, which will probably be a bad thing going to Silverstone because then that will probably be awful. Um, so yeah. let's probably, let, let, I don't know, let's maybe not do that. We're, we'll have to see. Um, in terms of uh, things that happened in the race, obviously the Ferraris are, are the big talking point. Um, two failures, it seems like... Um, Sciences was a was a BBW, a, you know, some kind of brake failure. I never really mm. understand what that means uh, in terms of brake brake bar wire, what, what, whatever it's called. Uh, and then Leclerc was an engine failure. And then we also saw two more Ferrari powered cars. Um, we obviously saw Joe uh, retire, and did one of the Hasses retire as well? I think with a with some mm. kind of power problem. Um, you probably know more what's going on yeah. about with the Ferrari power units than I do. I don't think I do, to be honest. I don't, Ferrari. I don't think Ferrari do either, to be honest. It was, yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was a terrible weekend for them, not just for the team, but for the whole uh, constructor, losing both of them. And then both Science and Leclerc going out. And then, yeah, Zhao went. And then it was uh, K Mag. Um, yeah. <laughs> proper commentator's curse. It was like, yeah, K Mag is catching up on uh, Sonoda, it was. Is that catching up on Sonoda? Could he make the overtake? And then, literally, two corners later, he started slowing down. <laughs> the ultimate commentator's curse. Uh, I loved it. But um, yeah, really, really strange. And it's 
it's funny as well how start the season it was all oh my god is Red Bull's reliability going to be costing them the championship and now literally like uh, four races later it's like oh it's Ferrari's uh, mechanical <laughs> championship so I don't think there's any consistency this season uh, at all and uh, which I, I quite like I think it makes the season more unpredictable um, annoyingly though it has kind of allowed uh, a certain Dutch driver to run away with the championship a little bit and uh, I do fear if he wins again this weekend I think this championship could be over <laughs> already um, I don't I don't see I don't see Ferrari um, really recovering from this and even if they do i think red bull will get stronger as the season goes on as they always typically do so yeah uh yeah slightly concerned this championship is uh going to be a lot less interesting from now on mm. and i think probably none of us expected to have a, a similar championship to, to the one we had last year but i think we wanted one to last a bit longer than what nine races or something like that um <laughs> let's talk about uh, some of the other things that happened uh, in the race um and your prediction in particular, uh, where Sebastian Vettel, I think it's fair to say, had a had a pretty good race at the Aston Martin. You predicted both Astons to finish in the points, which is never a good prediction when Lance Stroll is in one of them, uh, as he DNF'd. Um, but Seb had a, had a pretty good race. Mm. Now, he always likes, he always does, tends to do quite well at Baku. So, yeah, that was a, I should have just gone with him to score points, but I thought, uh, is that going to be, That'd be too safe. Let's go for both Astons. But uh, yeah, no, he, he seems to be doing well. It's, again, kind of funny how a few races ago people were going, oh, is this going to be the last year of Vettel? Is he going to retire? You know, he appears to be, you know, wanting to do a bit more you know, campaigning for politics and all that kind of stuff. And then he's put in some really good performances in the last couple of races. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think Seb's kind of in a frame of mind of, I just want to enjoy my racing. I think that the less pressure that's on him now is actually kind of helping him a little bit. Um, and he's kind of earned the right to kind of say what he wants within reason, obviously. Um, but yeah, no, he, he just, he actually appears to be in a very, like a bit of a Zen mode right now. If that kind of makes any sense. Looks very at ease of what he's doing. So yeah, no, it's, it's nice to see actually. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I was, I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking there. He's just kind of becoming a happy Kimi Raikkonen, where obviously Raikkonen said towards the end of his career he was doing it. You know, two or three years before the end, he said it was it was a hobby for him. Um, yeah. And he obviously, you know, Seb's much better with the media and stuff like that than, than probably Kimi was. And uh, good to see him uh, enjoying himself as well. And I'm sure, um, particularly when we're around Silverstone in a few weeks' time, I'm sure we'll see him doing something similar like he did last year, where I think he went into one of the grandstands and and helped litter pick as well. Yeah. Um, from uh, a kind of serious Sebastian Vettel who's enjoying himself um, somebody that wasn't enjoying himself on Sunday was Yuki Tsunoda and I found quite funny the way uh, his uh, DRS wing uh, his DRS wing his rear wing was just kind of taped together when he came into the pits I mean what was going on I love that we've had DRS and F1 for over a decade now and it still just baffles the engineers and the mechanics. They have no clue what to do if it goes wrong. <laughs> in a, I remember very early on, maybe like, God, maybe like 2013 or something, Alonso's got like stuck open at a race, um, pulled, it, pulled into the pits and the mechanic just like pushed it down and went straight down. And then the following <laughs> up, he opened it again and obviously it got stuck open again. And then they were literally just having to like like ram it down basically and just told him like just whatever you do, don't press the DRS button, as tempting as it may be. But yeah, it was just 
yeah, it was just kind of bizarre, wasn't it? Just yeah, let's just get some gaff tape out. <laughs> I love Sonoda's reaction on the radio, just like what what the f is this? What, 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 what are you doing to my rear wing? <laughs> yeah, that that was quite funny. Yeah. I think um, you see things on Twitter, people tweeting about all these kind of modern things that are, that are happening in F one, all the technology we have, and then yeah, for the mechanics to just come out and just you know let's just wrap some tape around it and, and see how that goes. And I think. I don't know. I don't know what uh, nationality most of the AlphaTauri mechanics are. Probably, maybe Italian, something like that. Um, but kind of a British thing would be that I, it just seemed like a very British thing to do. Yeah, we'll just put some tape on it. It'll be fine. It's kind of like the old turn it off and turn it back on again, and, and it'll all be okay. Um, I think that's pretty much everything uh, from Baku. I don't know if there's anything else that you, that you wanted to talk about or wanted wanted to add. Uh, not that I can think of really. As I say, it was just not a very very uneventful uh, race in the end. Um, there's a bit of news that's come out in this week. I don't know if you have this on your list. Um, very strong rumours saying Oscar Piastri is going to be uh, given a race seat next year. Uh, not to Alpine, though, uh, at Williams, in fact. Uh, mm. They're going to try and loan him there for at least a season mm. um, with Latifi likely to drop out. There is a rumour that Piastri could actually be racing at, at Silverstone, uh, although they kind of rubbish that and said it's probably not going to happen. Uh, I think people want that to happen, but it is going to happen, though. Uh, but that was the only kind of major news that really came out of Baku. Uh, that and obviously the whole porpoise thing, which mm. is just dominating the headlines. Yeah, well, on that, I had uh, last week for my uh, wild prediction, Latifi to crash at the castle. Um, that didn't happen, sadly. Um, the other wild <laughs> predictions, we obviously talked about yours, double Aston uh, points. That didn't happen. Uh, Joshua predicted Ricardo to finish ahead of Norris, um, which just happened. Ricardo P8, Norris P9. And then Callum O predicted uh, somebody with an S to cause the red flag. And I think it was somebody with an S that caused the red flag uh, in qualifying. I can't quite remember who it was or what happened because I haven't watched it back. But Callum tells me that that did happen. Um, and I will go back and double check. Obviously, it definitely didn't happen in the race, but we'll go back and, uh, and double check that one. And if that did happen, uh, this is how the prediction tables look. Callum, my friend, you're still leading it. 12 points. Uh, you've got a two-point lead over Joshua in second, who's on 10. Uh, and it gets a little bit closer. Callum o is on eight. Uh, and I'm still bottom on seven. Um, so I need to kind of up my game a little bit. I remember last year when we didn't have this prediction table, nobody would send in predictions if, if they weren't available for the episode. And now people are like making sure they get them in. We've got Joshua <laughs> and, and Callum's for a little bit later on. So it shows that competitive edge uh, that we've all got in us. Um, Let's talk about uh, Oscar Piastri then, um, a fantastic young driver. Um, and he, I remember he obviously won F2 last year and said, um, you know, I've, I've, you, his last race in F2, the, the interviewer, uh, I think it was probably, I don't know who it was, Rosanna Tennant, someone like that, was like, OK, so what's your plan now? And he's like, well, I've just won this championship and now I've got to sit on the sofa for a year. So, you know, it shows that determination that he's got to get into F1. And uh, as you said, it looks like it could be happening soon. Yeah, so as I think this is the race who have reported this. Who everyone, everyone seems to kind of trust them that they know what they're they're saying. So uh, they've yeah basically said he he agreed to be the reserve driver this year on the proviso that they found him a race seat for twenty twenty three. We all thought Alonso was going to retire and that he would step into partner Ocon, who is contracted for next year already. Uh, turns out that is not going to be the case. He's going to be kind of loaned to. Uh, Williams, kind of in the same way that Mercedes initially loaned Ocon to Renault, and then they he's just switched over there permanently now. Uh, so he's going to be there next year. And yeah, as you say, terrific racer. Obviously, F2 champion, risen through the ranks very quickly, very highly rated. Another another Aussie on the grid, which would be good. 
I uh, haven't had two Aussies on the grid since Weber and Ricardo at the start of the last decade, I don't think. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be good to, to have him there. And as you say, yeah, it, it, it is likely to be Latifi, given just how slow he is. Um, the only problem that could emerge is obviously the TV brings a lot of sponsorship with him to the team, uh, probably more than Albon does. Uh, and of course, it, it should be noted, Albon is still technically part of the Red Bull family, so they could move him to AlphaTauri if they wanted to. I don't know if that would happen, though. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't imagine Latifi hanging around much longer. Um, yeah, and as, as I said, there was the rumour that he could be coming back in for Silverstone, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah. I mean, has, has Latifi always been this slow? I mean, we obviously know that he's been with George Russell throughout his whole time at Williams and, you know, Russell's quality and the way he kind of outdrove the car that he was in um, obviously shone through and nobody kind of, everyone was just like, oh, okay, yeah, Latifi's there, that's that's fine. But now he's up against Albon, who's obviously nowhere near as, as talented as Russell, or, or maybe you could say he probably is, but, but who knows? Um, yeah, do you think it's time to have that Nicholas Latifi conversation? And has he always been as kind of slow as he is and we're now only just noticing it because he's so far behind and he's probably crashing a lot more than he was I mean he he is definitely everyone is technically a pay driver he is a very notable example of a pay driver in F1 had an okay junior career you know so he's not like he's just completely bought his seat he has got some talent behind him but uh, yeah I think when he got the drive ahead of other people in F2 it was a bit like Okay. George Russell, I think anyone would look quite bad even look at Lewis Hamilton this season, I guess. But I think when you... Yes, the Williams car has never been particularly great. Um, Tiffy finished in the point, has finished in the points twice so far in his career, which kind of shows you how, uh, how slow the Williams is. But then you look at this season, the Tiffy's best finish was 15th, and Albon has finished in the points twice uh, in the opening, what, eight races now. So... Yeah, I think that kind of shows the gap. And yeah, just, yeah, I, look, I'm, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I'm sure he's, he obviously he does have talent behind him. You don't get to F1 with no talent. But yeah, if you were to rank all the drivers based on pace alone, I think Latifi would be bottom for most people. So. Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't want to drag this on too long um, because there's there's people now online that are having conversations about Mick Schumacher as well, who's starting to mm. to I guess struggle a little bit. But he's up against maybe a much better teammate than than he was in Mazepin, and, and we're now seeing that struggle. But I think that's maybe a conversation uh, for another day because we've got more things to talk about and not a lot of time to talk about it in. Uh, the next thing that I want to talk about, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, um, is the bouncing, the porpoising that seems to be happening. Lewis Hamilton saying it was the worst race ever uh, that he'd ever driven in terms of how uncomfortable it was, uh, how his back felt pretty bad. There were kind of doubts that he was going to race this weekend. I think those have been pretty much pushed out the window and, and you know, be very surprising not to see him, you know, carry out the full weekend in, in Canada. Um, but... I suppose the main question is, is it the FIA's job to change the regulations to stop this bouncing or is it Mercedes' job to fix it themselves because everybody else seems to have just about got over it? Well, this is the, the big talking point now. And this is what Christian Horner, being Christian Horner, has come out and said, oh, I think they're exaggerating how bad it is. <laughs> um, kind of, you know, get them to tweak the rules a bit. Uh, to which he then said, oh, and by the way, if this was happening with my team, I'd 100% get them to exaggerate this. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, that's just, which, 
look, I it, like, you can't moan about them doing it and then say, yeah, but I totally do the same thing. It's like, no, you need to either take the moral high ground or don't. Like, it's, yeah. you can't have, can't have your cake and eat it here. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it is a bit of both because obviously other teams, Red Bull especially, obviously have managed to um, you know, seemingly are not affected by the issue too much. Although we are obviously now hearing Gasly and Sainz and Ricardo and a few other drivers kind of saying, yeah, the bouncing's bad for us and I am having back pains as well. Obviously, Lewis and Mercedes have it the worst and perhaps that's why we're hearing about it so much more. But the fact is, this is now a safety matter. It wasn't just a performance thing. It is a, the fact that Lewis is having to have like an intense acupuncture like every day, basically, just to, like keep moving around. I think kind of shows, okay, something needs to be done about it. Now, obviously you need to find a solution that everyone's going to be happy with. And I think, and I think even Horner just says, just, you know, just lift the cars up or raise the ride height or whatever they need to do. So I, I'm sure there is a solution to be found. Uh, will they find it? I don't know, to be honest. Not, not before Canada, at least. So. I mean, how far, how many races are we away from some break? It must be, you know, quite a few because my my thought would maybe be give them a, a, a track day or two, you know, a day of testing or whatever to try and, you know, just let them keep going around on the track until, you know, let them keep making making changes until they find a way out of it. But they've had plenty of time to kind of do that already, I suppose. Mm. I don't know. I, you know, well, I think finding a solution for it is difficult. Yeah, I mean... I mean, they, they've always said, oh, we're bringing upgrades every race, we're going to bring changes every race, and it just doesn't seem to have done anything. In fact, it's <laughs> some of us have actually got worse. Like, yeah. I, mean, I know Baku's, Baku's probably the worst, going to be the worst track for it because A, you've got that ridiculous on straight, and B, it's a street circuit where it's really bumpy. So, uh, again, another reason why street circuits shouldn't be on the calendar, but you know, it's <laughs> not been entirely. That's um, a conversation for another day. That's it. Yeah, we are still doing that part at one stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's as, as someone said, like, if you watch the porpoise in the opening rounds, it was kind of like these really like smooth, but like bouncing basically. And then you get to like Baku and it's just bite. It's like, a, it's like, a, someone described it as like a basketball just going up and down. <laughs> You know, like if Jay, yeah. it just looks that bad, and yeah. it's just, yeah, just you. You look at that, and you think, how are they, how are they even like, just driving normally, like, like let alone at two miles an hour. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Well, let's hope. I, I think if if nothing comes this year, I mean, there's definitely got to be a slight. You know, we we have slight tweaks in the regulations every year that to, to kind of enforce the teams to make upgrades and, and stuff like that but obviously like you said this is a, a kind of a safety matter and hopefully that tweak comes if if not soon then definitely for the regulations next year uh, the other piece piece of news is that formula one is looking uh, and closing in on a deal for a race in south africa next year uh, at kailami i think is is the way you pronounce it i hope that's right it'll obviously be the first time um that we've been there for some time now um probably what 30 years something like that yeah Yeah. um how good is that for the sport oh it's brilliant i actually didn't hear this bit of news uh i'd heard it like a month ago i didn't realize that there's obviously got a lot further in it um yeah brilliant uh brilliant news it's a world championship we should have a race on every continent uh kailami is probably the best place we can go in africa 
Uh, yeah, last race there was in 1993. If Correct. Correct. Uh, yeah, there you go then. Um, yeah, no, it'd be it'd be really good. The circuit looks really cool. Um, obviously, they need to get it up to the grade one uh, safety license, which they are trying to do at the moment, which should be fun. And yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, of course, what does that mean for the actual calendar as a whole? I'm not so sure, because obviously we're going to get up to 20. Oh, right, go for it. Right. <laughs> uh, well, this is just what the BBC is saying, um, that obviously there's been no race in Africa since that 1993. Um, and obviously that could mean we see a 24-race calendar, which will obviously be the, the longest season ever. Um, but apparently this could depend on whether China is going to come back. Um, and apparently if both China and South Africa come back, we could see Belgium, uh, Belgium being taken away, which is... Uh, very, very controversial. I don't think we go down very well uh, within the F1 community. Uh, something else that probably we don't need to discuss uh, and that will go down quite well is that the French Grand Prix is expected to be dropped uh, if uh, South Africa and China come back in. I don't think we're too bothered about that one. But we can't lose Spa, can we? We're going to, aren't we? Let's just, yeah. let's just admit now. Let's admit defeat now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think know, it's safety, it's, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. It's... This is this is going to really rile up F1 fans if we lose Spa because it's not like it's there are some circuits that I think we would love to see an F1 but we kind of acknowledge but we can live without like I don't mind not going to Turkey I don't mind not going to yeah. Malaysia even though I love those tracks but losing Spa would be just devastating and I think it's not just that it's one of the best tracks in the calendar it's one of the best places to go on the calendar. It's one of them. It just, I went there back in 2016, and this is when um, the Orange Army and the Staffans followers had only just, like, just started out. Yeah. And it was mad there. Here we see it now with the orange flares everywhere, but like even back then, it was just incredible. And to lose Spa, I think you'd be losing, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say you'd be losing like F1 Soul, basically. Um, I think there are, Four circuits on the calendar that must always be there. That'd be Silverstone, Monaco, um, Spa, and Monza. And to lose kind of one of those four, I think, would be a, a real tragedy. Mm. So, I mean, yeah. my uh, my time has just come on the screen saying that we've got 10 minutes mm. left. So, I mean, we could talk about this for, for a long time yet. Um, and I'm sure the other two guys would probably agree that, that we can't lose Spa from, from uh, the calendar. The other thing I did want to touch on, uh, it was a 24 race calendar, um, but I don't think we're going to have time with, with everything else that, we, that we've got to fit in. I think it would be uh, pretty ludicrous, wouldn't it, to, to have that, um, that amount of races on, on the calendar. But great for us fans, but for the teams, you know, it, very quickly, a, a bit of a struggle. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, 22 is the max I think we can do. Cool. So let's move on to one of those 22 races that are happening this year. Or is it 21 now with Russia gone? I think it's 22, isn't it? Um, mm. It was 23. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk about that. Anyway, let's talk about Canada. Um, am I right you say that we've not been there since Sebastian Vettel's, um, when he got that penalty a few years ago and swapped around the uh, the finishing things in signs in Park Fermi? God, that seems like a million years ago. <laughs> I know. What a, was that 2019? Yeah, it was 2019. Yeah. What wow. a moment that was. <laughs> God, I remember watching that. And again, I wasn't, I was, I've never been, I was never a huge Sebastian Vettel fan. But my God, I loved that moment so much. Um, I still feel the stewards got the right decision that day, though. But I <laughs> love the 
bit of shit yeah. afterwards. Yeah, Absolutely I mean, brilliant. it was just a massive like middle finger up to the stewards, wasn't it? It was like, I'm not standing <laughs> yeah. for this whatsoever. Picked up the side, put it next to each other, and it kind of I wouldn't say it sparked a bit of a rivalry between between Hamilton and Vettel, but it was certainly uh, quite entertaining to watch and, and quite funny, and, and must have caused a bit of tension uh, in the paddock afterwards. And um, so yeah, I don't think. Well, who knows? We might not see that kind of drama this weekend. We might. Um, but what are your thoughts on on Canada overall? Obviously, we've not been there for a long time. Um, the main thing I think of is kind of straight chicane, straight chicane, straight chicane, straight hairpin, straight chicane, start finish straight. <laughs> That's kind of the way the way the track kind of goes. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I like it enough. Uh, good Grand Prix, bad Grand Prix every now. And so it's it's a real mix. You don't know you don't know what you're going to get with Canada. Um, but always good. Again, it's a great venue to go to. Very picturesque location. Fans always seem to love it when they go there. And uh, again, this is one that I'd be very sad if it went off the calendar. Uh, and again, with two Canadian drivers on the grid, granted not two great ones, uh, it's, it makes more sense than ever to go to, uh, to Canada now. And we obviously know we've got the uh, iconic Wall of Champions, and we've had a new world champion uh, added to the list since we've last uh, since we last went to Canada. Is Max Verstappen uh, going to be claimed by the Wall of Champions at the weekend? Do you think? Uh, I'm not sure if he was claimed before, to be honest, in a practice session or something. Possibly. So, um, yeah, uh, Wall of Champions is a bit of an exaggeration, I think, because <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was just one race where it was Damon Hill. Jack Villeneuve and Michael Schumacher all crashed into it. I think it was in 99. And then since then, it was obviously the World Champions, but like not many champions have crashed into it since, at least not during a race. I think Vettel did in the practice session once, but yeah, very, uh, yeah, again, again, another great quirk of the circuit we love. Uh, and again, another reason to go there. I think the Wall of Champions is a, is a much better name for it than Turn 15 and 16 or, you know, whatever corner number it is. Let's, yes. let's, let's just yes. let's just call it that. Um, right. Cool. Let's move straight on into our predictions then. Um, like I said earlier at the top of the show, I've still not got a pole position right. So I think it's got to happen at some time. You said earlier that Ferrari have got the fastest car. I agree with you. I've gone with Charles Leclerc to take pole. And just for the record, Callum Oval has also gone for Charles Leclerc and Joshua has also gone for Charles Leclerc. Are you going to make it a clean sweep for Quali? Yes, I am. Charles Leclerc on pole. <laughs> so that means it's now going to be Max Verstappen. Uh, let's move on to the race result. Uh, your top three for the Canadian Grand Prix on Sunday evening as well, I must add. I haven't written anything down, so this will be fun. Uh, let's <laughs> go with, you know what, it's time that he catches a break. Let's give Charles Leclerc the win. Uh, and let's go Max Verstappen second. And let's put Sergio Perez third. It was going to happen, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Um, so you've gone, have you gone Leclerc, Max Perez? You have, haven't you? Uh, I certainly have, yeah. Yeah. That is exactly the same as Callum Owen's prediction. Leclerc, Max Perez, that's what he's gone with. Uh, Synergy. Joshua, Synergy. <laughs> Joshua has gone slightly different. He's gone Max Leclerc Perez. Uh, and I've gone with a Ferrari 1-2. Um, as I mean, they don't really need to get revenge on anyone, but as in to kind of just bounce back after, after a terrible back. I've gone Leclerc, Sainz, Verstappen. Um, so very interesting that you two have gone, gone with the same uh, predictions. There's no way you could have known that as well because you've not seen... I mean... Callum did put his in the group chat. So have you just have you just gone on and sold in his prediction just just to maintain your lead at the top? 
Honestly, no, I've just made that up on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of uh, your wild predictions, I mean, you making a wild prediction on, up on the spot could be very wild indeed. I was torn between two. I'll go with the other two guys first. Um, mm-hmm. Joshua has gone with Russell to finish, uh, I think, further down than P5. I think you said outside the top five. Um, I will double check that one because I've just written Russell P5. So I think that's what that meant. Um, and Callum Owen has gone with uh, both Alpines to qualify in the top seven, uh, which I know Joshua certainly wouldn't agree with based on his preseason predictions. Uh, and nor would I. Um, and my prediction, I'm torn between two because of obviously Vettel's moment. I've either gone, I don't know whether to go Vettel top five or both Canadian drivers in the top 10. <laughs> or because I'm bottom, can I, because I'm bottom can I have both? I can tell you what's wilder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that, well, with Vettel P6 last weekend, I'm kind of like, is that that wild? And if Joshua's wild comes true of Russell finishing outside the top five, surely it's going to be Vettel that takes that fifth. Do yourself a favour, man, and go for that. Don't go okay, for the team yeah. to finish the okay. points. If I, if I was in your position, I would have 100% gone for both Canadians in the top 10. Um, but I'm not. I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, Vettel top five. Uh, as I said, Callum's gone for both Alpines uh, in the top seven. Russell, uh, l- lower than P5 is what Joshua's gone with. Let's have your wild prediction for the Canadian Grand Prix. All right, given the limited time, I'm going to have to rush this. Okay, I did think of this before the pod. So... What do we love about the Canadian Grand Prix? Is it the great race and it's the great, uh, you know, the history of the circuit? No, no, no. It's the wildlife. Every year, groundhogs invade that trap and they have to bring <laughs> in specialists to make, like, make sure they don't do it. But obviously a few escape the traps every year. And given we've been away for two years, you know, COVID, nature has taken over certain places of the world. I'm thinking we're going to see a lot more groundhogs this weekend than usual. I'm going to go with minimum free groundhogs to invade the track at, at all points of the weekend so oh, very good that means you're gonna have to watch every single session <laughs> yep or well, the, highlights, the highlights usually show the groundhogs anyway yeah that's true yeah. Quite interesting practices so you know uh, there you go that's my been free groundhogs all weekend i suppose you will be able to watch pretty much all the sessions unless you're doing anything in the evenings at the weekend because they are all evening sessions i think the race is at 7 p.m uk time which is quite a nice time yep. it means i will actually be able to go to work at the weekend and not miss anything or have to turn the group chat notifications off, which I usually have to do uh, on a Sunday because Joshua always puts something in um, that, that spoils it. Um, cool. So that's pretty much everything I think that we've got to cover. Um, I thought genuinely after your Miami prediction that you were going to go over a number amount of shots for the, is it a river or a lake that's kind of next to the track that they usually kind of do all the TV coverage from? Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to go yeah. for, for something like that, similar to Miami, but that would have been kind of, unoriginal after after your Miami prediction yeah. so I think Groundhogs invading the track uh, would be very interesting um, and obviously they've not seen these new 2022 F1 cars so you know they'll be they'll be excited to to go and see them cool that's pretty much everything uh, from the two of us I've only got a minute left so I better wrap up there uh, thank you very much uh, for listening or watching if you had um, apologies if you listened last week and the audio was absolutely terrible um, that was Joshua's fault. Yeah, it was. Uh, so <laughs> it could have been one of our mics echoing. I don't know, but we think it was Joshua's fault. Um, so yeah, I better uh, shut up now before I get kicked out of this call. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Callum for joining me. And until Silverstone next time, we will see you all later. Bye-bye. 